Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Carter, I can't what's that? Just your emergency. Um, we, uh, we lost our friend. We don't know where he has gone. Kind of worried that something happened to him. How long has he been missing? Um, since we woke up. Where's the last spot you saw him at? We all went to bed last night, and when we woke up, he was not here, and we've been looking for him all day. On Saturday evening, May 23, 2020, Carteret County Emergency Services receives a 911 call from South Corps Banks, a tiny, sandy spit of an island off the coast of North Carolina. The caller is one of a group of Army paratroopers from Fort Bragg that chose this gray, wet, and cold Memorial Day weekend to go camping. And now, one of their companions is missing. There's no sign of the missing soldier until six days later, when his severed head washes ashore. I'm Steve French, and this is Unsolved Mysteries, Murder in the Military. In May 2020, 21-year-old Enrique Roman Martinez is one of more than 50,000 soldiers stationed at Fort Bragg, North Carolina. He's been a paratrooper for nearly four years and is scheduled to be discharged from the Army in just a few months. The unassuming Enrique is the youngest of three children from a close-knit family that lives in Chino, California. Enrique is looking forward to being reunited with his loved ones and, in particular, his older sister, Griselda. We were very close. We always hung out together. I was definitely the nagging older sister, and I always made sure to take care of him. I mean, he didn't always like it, but it's what it was. My brother had a heart of gold. He wasn't an angry or violent person. He wasn't aggressive. He would take his shirt off his back for his friends, and he was incredibly generous, incredibly noble. Noble to a fault and just whenever he did any kind of work, he always wanted to give his 110%. Whatever he needed to do to complete the task, he would do it. He was definitely a rule follower, for sure. Enrique was drawn to the military right out of high school, not only for the educational opportunities, but also for the financial benefits a four-year commitment to the military would mean for his family. 
The biggest reason why my brother went to the army was for an opportunity to have a stable paycheck, to be able to send money back home, and to be able to go to college. And he thought it would be cool to jump out of planes for a living. And he enjoyed it. And me and my mother, we didn't want him to go. We were adamant about not wanting him to go. His type of character, who he was, he was too kind. He was too nice. And we were really worried about him getting killed. Enrique's dream was to serve overseas, and he went through intensive paratrooper training with the Fighting Falcons Brigade of the Army's 82nd Airborne. But after three years, he began to suffer from compartment syndrome, a painful condition some paratroopers experience when multiple jumps from airplanes cause the muscles in their legs to swell, choking off blood flow. Enrique had signed on for four years in the military, but because of his disability, he was receiving an honorable discharge three months before his enlistment was up. Enrique's plan was to get back to his hometown of Chino and earn a degree in pharmacology. He really couldn't run anymore. He couldn't walk long distances. He just couldn't do the physical part of his job, so they were discharging him. On Wednesday, May 20th, 2020, two days before the Memorial Day holiday weekend, Enrique calls his sister, Griselda. My brother was so excited because my brother had three months left to be in the Army. And our conversation was, hey, you're going to move in with me. Don't worry about getting a job right away. We'll figure out schooling as soon as you get here. That was the last time I spoke to him. During the phone call with his sister, Enrique mentions he's planning to stay on base for the weekend either working security during the annual Memorial Day parade or just spending time in his room playing video games. But at some point, his plans changed, and on that Friday morning, he decided to go with some fellow soldiers on a weekend camping trip. My brother wasn't originally going to go on this trip. He only went because last minute someone decided not to go, and they had asked him to go so that they would be able to afford the trip so they could afford to take their cars over with the ferry. So my brother ended up agreeing to go because my brother was very generous and willing to help anyone. In 2020, the Memorial Day holiday comes during the COVID epidemic, when quarantine is a way of life for most of the world, and soldiers are required to stay near the base. Nevertheless, Enrique and the other soldiers head off very early in the morning on Friday, May 22nd, and make the more than four-hour drive to Cape Lookout National Seashore. There, they catch a ferry, which is the only way to reach the island, and set up camp. The next evening, Saturday at 7 p.m., the 911 call comes in from one of the paratroopers, Alex Becerra, reporting that Enrique is missing. And we, uh, we lost our friend. We don't know where he has gone. And we're kind of worried that something happened to him. It's not until the following day, Sunday, May 24th, that Griselda gets a call from Enrique's commanding officer. So I answer, and it's my brother's captain, asking me if my brother was with us. And I said, no, we're in California. He's in North Carolina. Why would he be with us? And they said, well, okay, well, the problem is your brother is missing. And I'm like, what do you mean he's missing? Missing where? And the captain said he went on a camping trip and he went missing. And he pretty much told me that maybe he ran away because he has three months and couldn't wait and wanted to leave. 
And I said, why would he do that? That's crazy. That doesn't sound like my brother. And I asked, have you tried calling his phone? And then that's when the captain told me, well, he doesn't have his phone with him. I'm like, that's not my brother either. He would never leave his phone. The captain then tells Griselda that Enrique's wallet and eyeglasses were also found in his tent. That's when I was like, oh, something bad happened. My brother cannot see without his glasses. When I say he is blind, that kid was blind. And I knew there was something really, really wrong there. Griselda and her mother Maria catch the first flight from California to North Carolina and soon learn from Army investigators that the park rangers and other local search and rescue teams have spent the past two days searching the island for any sign of Enrique. I know they searched the island, and of course they know the island better than anyone. And they didn't find anything. They searched the whole island. Afterwards, the Army sent a group of 50 volunteer soldiers that went to go look for my brother, and they couldn't find anything. So one of the things the investigators asked us if my brother wanted to ever kill himself. And I said, no, never, never. He would never do something like that. He was too much of a coward and he could never do that to my mother. I just knew this was something my brother wouldn't have done. Griselda and her mother want to see for themselves the area where Enrique disappeared. So they drive from the army base to the coast and then take a ferry to the island to meet with park rangers. I was hoping that by some miracle I would be able to find my brother. I got to the island and I was so broken, so torn, so devastated once I saw the island. The island is so small. You can see from one side of the island to the other. It was just mostly just marsh, mostly just a little bit of grass, mostly sand. And there was really nowhere to go. So me and my mom were devastated. The park rangers suggest that maybe after a night of drinking, Enrique went for a swim and was carried out to sea by the strong currents and drowned. We had questions for the park ranger and I had asked in her experience, something had happened to my brother from the point that they were at in the island. Where would he be washed up if he did drown? And she said, well, Most drowned bodies end up on Shackleford Banks. Shackleford Banks is an island a mile northwest from where the soldiers were camping on South Core Banks and is a place where currents tend to deposit debris from the ocean. So that's really what we were all thinking is maybe that was a possibility. Griselda and her mother returned to Fort Bragg and pressured the Army investigators to tell them everything they know about Enrique's disappearance. But the authorities remain tight-lipped. They won't even provide the names of the paratroopers who were on the camping trip with Enrique. I desperately wanted to talk to these people. I wanted to know what was the last thing my brother said? What were they talking about? What happened? Maybe, you know, I know I, I feel like I know my brother way better than anyone else. And maybe I would have known what was going on. Maybe I could have told them like, hey, maybe he went here or there. And they would not allow me to talk to these people. Six days go by with no sign of Enrique. Then, on Friday, May 29th, a Park Service's employee spots something floating in the water. It's a severed head. The head of Enrique Roman Martinez. 
just like the park ranger said. My brother's head washed up on shackle four banks. If we could have had a full body, maybe it wouldn't be so hard, but we only had my brother's head. When my brother's remains washed up, the theory that the investigators had was that he drowned and his body had gone through a boat propeller and that's why his head was sliced off. But the autopsy discovers several deep cut marks in Enrique's vertebrae, made by a sharp instrument, something like a hatchet, and these marks are inconsistent with a propeller strike. The medical examiner also finds that Enrique's jaw has been broken by blunt force trauma, and there's evidence of a small skull fracture, all clear indications that Enrique's death was not an accident or a suicide, but a homicide by undetermined means. It hurt my heart more than anything that anyone would have such hate for my brother to do that to him. He didn't deserve that. The discovery of Enrique's partial remains transforms the case from a missing persons report into a homicide investigation, and Enrique's family looks for a lawyer to help navigate the Army's criminal justice system. Attorney-at-law Dustin Collier works with the League of United Latin American Citizens, or LULAC, and has been helping the Martinez family in their search for answers about Enrique's murder. One of the things that sort of sticks in my craw is that the Army seems to have this default approach of when a soldier goes missing, we assume it's an AWOL situation, away without leave, until proven otherwise. That appears to be what happened here. They get the report that Enrique is missing, and they treat it as a missing persons case, which is to say that they don't take any of the steps you might take in a potential homicide investigation. They don't secure the barracks for Enrique or any of the other soldiers involved. Dustin is keenly aware of the fact that detectives from the Army's Criminal Investigative Division, the CID, didn't seal off Enrique's room until his head had been found, which was six days after he had gone missing. This is significant because we know that Enrique kept a personal journal, a diary, and that diary may well have shed some light on Enrique's final days and who might have had a motive to kill him and that journal has never been recovered. It's missing. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% cash back at hundreds of stores, including headliners Adidas, Expedia, and Ray-Ban. Rakuten is how in-the-know shoppers get the best savings. They shop the brands they love and earn cash back on top of deals. During Big Give Week, May 6th to May 13th, the cash back rates are even bigger. I'll be shopping for travel deals and home electronics. You can save on everything you need for summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of Big Give Week's 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey, Unsolved Mysteries listeners. I'm here to tell you that there's no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. 
Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. There's a lot of pressure around gifting. I usually have a hard time thinking of gift ideas for family members, and sometimes I get super stressed trying to find the perfect thing. But now with Gift Mode on Etsy, I can search hundreds of gifting personas and find so many incredible items. And I actually just found the perfect gift for my fitness fanatic sister. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a housewarming gift for the new homeowner or a birthday present for the pickleballer, Gift Mode has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. After Enrique's severed head is found, the troopers who are on the camping trip are re-interviewed by the Army's investigators, and it turns out they haven't been completely honest. It's revealed that besides Enrique, there were not six, but seven paratroopers on the island that night. Alex Becerra's girlfriend, 18-year-old Anna Marie Cochell, another member of the 82nd Airborne, was also with the group. When they come back and are interviewed the following evening, Sunday evening, every single one of them signs a statement that makes no mention of Cachell. They all omit her presence. As far as the reason, why would they leave her out? Cachell was underage, and they didn't want her to get in trouble for underage drinking. I don't have an opinion on the credibility of that particular explanation. I certainly can't imagine lying to a homicide investigator because I'm concerned that my girlfriend's going to get in trouble for drinking. It's also revealed that the group had done LSD the night Enrique disappeared, suggesting to Army investigators that a bad trip may have gotten out of control and that this was a tragic accident and nothing more. Essentially, the story that they tried to sell to me early on is, you know, these guys went out there, they took some LSD, they got too high and they lost control and who knows what happened after that. I don't know if anybody ever could take LSD and now suddenly they want to kill people. It's just not really how it works. I just don't, I don't buy that. Enrique's family worries that the Army's investigators may have a hidden agenda and are avoiding a truly thorough murder inquiry. I can't know for sure what the Army's motivations are. What I do know is that they have some logical and clear incentives to not get to the bottom of cases like this. You've got a system where the army needs to constantly recruit. They presumably don't want there to be a lot of press coverage of their soldiers being killed after they've signed up because it'll hinder those recruitment efforts. And I think they're acutely aware of that. The Martinez family, with the help of outside investigators, is able to obtain a copy of the 911 call that was made Saturday afternoon, more than 10 hours after Enrique disappeared. Very quickly, they noticed several discrepancies in the story that was told by Enrique's fellow paratroopers. Brown eyes, and what's his name? His name is Roman Martinez, or Enrique Martinez. Okay, and you know what Sorry, it's actually, let me just, let me just backtrack. It's no actually problem. Enrique Roman, I'm sorry. Now, how long has he been missing? Um, we woke up, I woke up at 8.30, and we've been looking for him all day. We were trying to find the park ranger or their offices or anything, and so we went all the way to the uh, ferry, and we found where that we needed to dial 911. We weren't sure if that's what we had to do out here. And when was the last time you saw him? 
So we all went to bed at mid, at 12.03. That's when we all decided to go to bed, and that is the last time we saw him. Okay, and does he have any physical, medical, or mental conditions that we need to be aware of? He, he wasn't diagnosed, but he did have suicidal tendencies. I listened to it, and I was just shocked that whoever was making this 911 call didn't know my brother's full name, claimed he was his friend, and said that my brother wanted to kill himself. It just really, really infuriated me. Because I know for a fact that that's not true. It's not true at all whatsoever. If you were really worried about your friend killing yourself, why would you let him leave? Why would you leave him out of your sight? Why wouldn't you get him help right away? The last time they saw him was at 12.03 a.m. that evening, that Friday evening. And that stood out to me as unusually precise. Who logged the precise minute that everybody went to sleep? And then they said to the dispatcher that they had been looking for a park ranger to report him to instead. That was their excuse for not calling 911 until that evening. I mean, just on its face, that doesn't sound very credible because why are these mutually exclusive? Why wouldn't you do both? Look for a park ranger and call 911 and ask them where the nearest park ranger station is. So just on its face, it doesn't sound very credible. And there's one more inconsistency with the 911 call made at 7 p.m. Alex Becerra says that he and the other campers spent the entire day looking for a park ranger to report Enrique missing. But earlier that day, two park rangers stopped by the campsite and asked the paratroopers to move their vehicles that were illegally parked too close to the sand dunes. That was around 2 p.m., almost six hours after they say they realized Enrique was gone, yet they said nothing to the rangers about Enrique being missing. In my mind, the biggest red flag around all of this is, is somewhere that evening, 6, 7 p.m. that evening, they finally call 911 to report Enrique missing. And coincidentally, or perhaps not coincidentally, by the time they reported him missing, the last ferry for the day had left. So that left them on the island for another evening, which raises the question, is that was that a deliberate strategy on their part to give themselves another day? Which begs the question what they spent the entire 24-hour period doing. Could the seven soldiers have conspired to cover up Enrique's homicide? And what would be a motive for murdering Enrique? So at one point, the army was suggesting that perhaps this was some sort of revenge some sort of drug deal gone awry or some sort of drug-related hit. There's clearly some sort of broader drug problem at the base, but there's no evidence to tie that back to Enrique. It's this coincidence that makes a convenient way to explain away and sort of downplay and ignore what happened to Enrique. There was allegedly some bitterness between Enrique and the 911 caller, Alex Becerra. Five months earlier, Enrique and some friends went to a party off base. Enrique was supposed to be the designated driver, but had become intoxicated. So Becerra, who was also drunk, drove the group home, was pulled over by police, and arrested for a DUI. From what I heard, there's been a lot of animosity from this guy towards my brother. But here's the thing. I know my brother tried to make this up to this guy several times. My brother went and vouched for him and said, hey, I was supposed to be designated driver. It's not fair that he's getting in trouble. And they both split punishment. 
My brother and this guy had to take substance abuse classes, but for someone to hate my brother like that, it's it's really hard to believe. There had to be more than that, and there has to be more to the story than that. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. The Army, with the assistance of the FBI, creates a task force and offers a $25,000 reward for information, while Enrique's family mourns the loss of their son and brother. We had his funeral. It was very, very difficult. I've never had to plan a funeral in my life. And it was only my brother's head. None of us saw my brother's remains. But there he was in a casket. It was difficult. It's really hard. It's not until six months after Enrique's disappearance that the Army finally sends a dive team out to search for the rest of Enrique's body in the waters around Cape Lookout Island. After such a long period of time, it's no surprise that nothing is found. Why the delay? Then, in November of 2021, investigators announced that Enrique's case has been relegated to cold case status, with none of the seven paratroopers on the camping trip considered suspects. That is a real head-scratcher. They were clearly with the victim at the time he went missing, and they have no alibi and has lied to criminal investigators. It's, it's amazing. From what the lead investigator has told me, he believes that these people couldn't have done it. They have no reason to, that it couldn't have possibly been them, and they don't know what happened. They don't know. They don't have a theory, but they know it's not them, not the seven individuals. There have been charges filed against the seven soldiers related to the camping trip, but not related to Enrique's murder. All of them were charged with disobeying an order because at the time that they went on this trip, the COVID pandemic had just begun and there was a order requiring everyone to stay within 50 miles of the base. So all of them, including Enrique, violated that order. Others were charged with using LSD, and then many of them were charged with either making false statements to the investigators and or conspiring to make false statements to the investigators. None of the offenses they were charged with related to the death of Enrique. The road to justice has been a very slow and rocky one, and I feel alone at the end of the day that the Army, it doesn't seem like it's a priority for them. They tell me it is, but 
I still don't have answers for my brother. From seven people, seven people that were there. It's frustrating, it's depressing, and it's confusing. It's so hard to just, like, want to just... I don't think the army is ever going to solve Enrique's homicide. If this case gets solved, it will be because of the efforts of his family. And I think we should be ashamed as a nation of how little we have given back to the soldiers who give us so much. These men and women who go into service in the military have made this tremendous sacrifice. They have agreed to put their life on the line if need be in a combat operation to protect us, to protect our democracy, to protect our freedom and our rights. The least we can do is protect them when they're here on our shores, on our base, under our care and supervision. And we're not doing that, we're failing them. It has been truly devastating. It has truly been the biggest heartache You know, my mom, this was her baby. This was my mom's baby. This was her little boy. And I could never take away my mother's pain. And she has it every single day. And the way my brother went, the way they killed him, so much hate towards him. It makes it worse because we don't have answers. And every day, we just want answers. We just want justice. My brother didn't deserve to die like this. Enrique Roman Martinez was killed on or around May 22, 2020, while camping on North Carolina's Cape Lookout National Seashore. The Army is now offering its largest reward, $50,000 for any information leading to the arrest of the person or persons responsible for Enrique's death. If you have any information regarding this case, please contact the Army CID Special Agents at 910-396-8777 or go to unsolved.com. Next on Unsolved Mysteries. Whenever I think of the night that my mom and I found my dad, I just think of it as very dark. It was the chaos and the confusion and fear. And at the very center of it is just a huge loss that we suffered. To me, it feels like we've kind of been stuck in that night for almost 20 years now. Unsolved Mysteries is a production of Cosgrove Mirror Productions and Cadence 13, an Odyssey company. It is executive produced by Terry Dunmuir and Chris Corcoran. Produced by Christine Lenig, Courtney Ennis, and Bill Schultz. The story producer for this episode was Ann Toller, and it was edited by Robert Wise. From Cadence 13, editing, mixing, and mastering by Chris Basil and Andy Jaskowitz. Production support by Sean Cherry, Ian Mont, and Ava Fenneberger. Artwork and design is by Kirk Courtney. Publicity by Maura Curran, Josephina Francis, and Hilary Schuff. The original theme music was composed by Gary Malkin and Michael Boyd. Thanks for listening to episode 67 of Unsolved Mysteries.